This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon. As you're listening to us on so many different ways, we're so thankful that you're tuning in. Whether you're listening on letstalkfaith.com, maybe you're listening on iHeartRadio, perhaps you're listening right off of I Work For Him. Maybe you're listening in Tampa on AM 570 or AM 910 or one of the new FM translator stations. However you're hearing the show today, just know that we prayed for you. That something you would hear today would cause you to dig deeper into your faith and to connect on what you hear on Sunday with what you do in your 9 to 5. I mean, understand that your workplace, it's your mission field. That's not something I made up. Your workplace really is your mission field. And in that mission field, your high calling, your high task is to recognize that you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Don't lose sight of that fact. And here's the question I ask for you. Are you on a mission from God? You know, not like the Blues Brothers who were on a mission from God. Is your daily grind really a paved avenue for you to shine the miraculous light of Jesus on the lives of others? Do you see it that way? Do you see that your excellence gives you an opportunity to share your faith? Are you serious about that mission or are you being haphazard? Today, we're going to talk with Tony Dale. Tony Dale is with... He's a multifaceted guy, but he's passionate about connecting business with a mission. But he's also passionate about healthcare. You've heard me talk to him about Sidera Health. You can find out more about Sidera online at sedera.com, sedera.com. Because it's a, it's a Christian healthcare sharing plan for business owners. And it's something that, you know, when healthcare is out of control in our world, we'll talk about a little bit today. This is a place you can go as a business owner or leader to get a healthcare sharing plan for your business. Tony Dale, welcome back to I Work For Him. Jim, thank you so much. Uh, really looking forward to today. Tony, as a businessman, are you on a mission from God? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it seems to me crystal clear that uh, the Word of God says that all of us are seeking first His kingdom. That means in whatever place He puts us. But you've been in business for a really long time. At what point in your life did you connect the fact that you were supposed to be your business work, the stuff that you were doing was your mission, your calling, your ministry? You know, Jim, I was very blessed by being brought up as a missionary kid. Uh, Dad was a doctor who ran a clinic in uh, Taipei, Taiwan. Uh, So I was surrounded with these concepts from as early as I can remember. I... I don't think there was ever a time that I can, you know, consciously recollect when uh, I didn't have in front of me a living example that every part of your life is designed to uh, to bring God glory if you're willing for that to happen. Uh, so for me, uh, that that's been an ongoing journey from really uh, very very early in my life. Yet most of us did not grow up with that privilege. You grew up in a in a country really Taiwan at that point in time was a very much a developing nation. I mean today it is Correct. it is a very powerful nation with a lot of manufacturing, a lot of influence around the world. But back then. It was just a developing nation. You did have the privilege of seeing your father in action, putting his faith in action as a doctor, living out his faith, doing what he was equipped to do. Yet most of us did not grow up with that mindset, that mentality. 
as a business owner and leader today, and as a small group leader and a small church, a guy that's passionate about small church, how do you tell other people that their workplace is their mission field? Well, I mean, there, uh, there are obviously a lot of different ways that we can tell people that. Uh, I, I love the, the T-shirt, uh, which claims that it's uh, quoting Francis of Assisi, uh, where it says, you know, uh, we should preach at all times and, if necessary, use words. Uh, what, what a great statement. Uh, and it seems to me that uh, we're, we're communicating through everything we do. Uh, so for me as a businessman, and especially now at my sort of stage in life where uh, most of the day-to-day -day running of the businesses is done by other people and I'm freer to, to work at the sort of strategic level and be working with other CEOs, this type of thing, um, uh, I, I need to live that and I need to exemplify it in my company. Uh, but I, I think I also need to speak it. Uh, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who proclaim the good news. Uh, at some point, people have to hear what we're attempting to, to live out. And so I try and do both. So when you, I don't know, I just want to draw it out a little bit, because this is something, every time I have a conversation with somebody who's never heard this before, and you start to talk to them, and we're talking Christ followers who are like, but what's my purpose in life? What's my identity? A lot of us have a, 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 that are in in our workplace, we gain, we unfortunately gain our identity from our work. That's not what we're supposed to gain our identity, but most of us do. When we start to understand and we start to tell people that, hey, your identity is really supposed to be from Christ and your work is your real ministry. When you start to have that conversation with people, it, it all of a sudden you start to see their eyes expand and their head seems to just get a little larger for a minute. Like there was an internal explosion because they haven't heard this before. I mean, this is a new idea for people. How exciting is it when you have that conversation with people? Um, well, Jim, it, it's very exciting. And, you know, uh, it applies right across the board. Uh, the, the way you sort of describe that uh, doesn't just apply to people in business. It no, applies it doesn't. To, to, you know, a housewife or a taxi driver. It applies to those who are in what we classically call ministry. Uh, it's so important for pastors and preachers and evangelists and, uh, you know, th those who are uh, recognized, as it were, as being out there serving the Lord, that, again, their identity doesn't come from that. Uh, it, it comes from who they are in Jesus. And uh, it just happens in their case. They may have been called to one type of ministry, uh, and I've been called to a different type of ministry. But every single one of us has been called, not primarily, but exclusively, uh, to seek first God's kingdom and to find a way to live that out in practice in every part of our lives. And it is those workplaces. And that's what's amazing. There's so many different scriptures and, uh, and examples of God using people in, in amazingly, you know, people think, well, you know, Moses, you know, what was his job? He was the leader of Israel. Well, just remember, for 40 years, he was a shepherd. Okay. But That's that correct. was, his, and that was his training ground. You know, Joseph was a servant in uh, uh, to Potiphar. Then he was a servant in the prison. Not that he really chose those jobs, but he, you know, he chose those as ministry opportunities instead of opportunities to complain. And, and there's so many of us that if we just would recognize that our workplace is our mission field, and, and it's such a great opportunity. Let's talk about you as a business guy, because you are, I know you're passionate about small churches, you're passionate about home churches, but you also have an incredible knack and an incredible knowledge of the healthcare industry. 
And, and so you've got some businesses that are related to that. As a business owner and a leader, is it your job to build the company culture that creates the opportunity for, for people to find out about Christ? Is that something that is your under your purview? Uh, you know, I, I think the simple answer to that question, Jim, is is absolutely yes. Uh, now, it's not only my job. Uh, I think it's the job of every believer in every company or place where they find themselves working uh, to be saying, Lord, what, what do I do to help demonstrate your presence here? Uh, but, you know, in the privileged position I have of, you know, having started a number of companies and uh, with my background in medicine and so my experience of the healthcare world from that world as well, um, uh, absolutely, if, if I'm creating something, uh, you know, the creator has put within us uh, that these sort of gifts and abilities, uh, then it's incredibly important uh, that the picture I paint, rather like an artist would paint, is a picture that expresses the glory of God. Uh, and so if I'm not willing to do that in a company that I'm creating, uh, who else should I be holding responsible? This isn't just something to pass off to someone else. It's something that every business owner should be living. Well, but that is creating culture for small business owners across the nation. Creating culture is one of those things. Well, I don't really have time to worry about the culture. I just need to pay the bills. And, and, and creating that culture is one of those things. It takes time to be intentional with it. But if you're not intentional, what happens? Well, I, I think you put that really well. Uh, and I think what I'd say is, you know, let, let's start with where, uh, with the way you phrase that, you know, when, when you're a small business owner, okay? The, the typical small business, when I started my first company, the Keras Group, um, that business was me. It was me and a tiny little laptop computer that uh, had a 40 megabyte hard drive. What did you do with all that space? We're talking about business as mission, but we got into a little conversation about culture. You and I all know that the culture of a company creates either a positive atmosphere or a negative atmosphere. And then it also either creates an opportunity for you to share your faith or not share your faith. And as a business owner or leader, you have the ability to impact culture. And in Tony, as we we're talking about that today, you were starting to talk about, okay, you started a company and you, you started it off with a laptop that had a 40 meg hard drive. I don't know what you would do with all that space today. You can't even save a Word document on 40. Oh, no, you can save a Word document, but you can't save much more than that. Imagine, I, I remember my... This is a real aside. The first computers I worked on were dual floppy drives with no hard drive. So people hear that and they go, Jim, you're really old. So, Tony, you actually, you know, you started with a 40 meg hard drive. That was huge. <laughs> it was huge. And obviously, the context of our conversation was, you know, uh, am I responsible as someone founding a company to form the culture? Right. Uh, well, you know, from day one when it was just me. Uh, I had to decide uh, as I was, you know, reaching out to patients, helping them deal with their medical costs, this type of thing, which is, you know, where, where that company was going. Um, you know, how was I going to represent Jesus? Uh, and I found myself thinking back to, to my days as a family doctor and, uh, well, how did I represent Jesus there? Well, I, uh, I absolutely looked for opportunity to uh, where appropriate, where a patient were, was wanting this or ready for this, that, uh, you know, I'd perhaps offer to pray for them if they were worried or fearful over, uh, you know, something coming up. And I was dealing with people who had massive medical bills and weren't sure how they would all get paid. Uh, you know, there's a lot of fear associated there. So uh, I, I had to learn 
how to sympathetically and uh, obviously in, a, in an appropriate way, not pushy, uh, find out uh, did they want to talk about that or were they uh, interested to pray or did they just want to talk about how they were going to deal with the bill? Uh, so, you know, that, that sensitivity in a sense, but also the commitment to be open to the Holy Spirit needed to begin right when I started the company. It doesn't change when you're then looking after 50 employees and, and you're saying, Lord, how does this begin to permeate the whole country, company? Well, and that's really where I, I want to use that as a bridging comment, because we have so many people start businesses or organizations and don't think about the culture. Yet I have witnessed from churches to large corporations Phenomenal cultures where people are allowed to thrive and toxic cultures where people are destroyed one moment at a time. And it is the business owners or leaders of those organizations. Uh, so it's the owners or leaders, whether they're a nonprofit or a for-profit, whether they're a, a, a church or a business, whether they're a hospital, whatever. there's a culture. Every organization has a culture. But it's that intentionality. If we are going to be the leader of whether it's a small part of that or a large part of it, we have the ability to impact culture. But that's really looking at our workplace as a mission field. And that's really one of those things where it takes a level of intentionality. You know, Jim, it, it, it really does. And, uh, you know, as you were talking, I, I found myself thinking about uh, what really tends to be in most people's minds as they think about business, including for entrepreneurs like myself, uh, when they're thinking about starting businesses. Uh, and they're probably thinking, you know, this is about making money. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, even someone as illustrious as Milton Freeman, who uh, really, uh, in a modern sense, has been the, the father of sort of free market economics. And uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in free market economics. Uh, but, you know, Milton Friedman was completely wrong on some of what he thought. Uh, for example, he really is the person who popularized the concept that the only purpose of a company is creating shareholder value. Uh, well, that's toxic. Uh, in biblical terms, that's mm. Babylon. Uh, and, and, you know, the difference between Babylon and Jerusalem really is the presence of God or the, or the presence of darkness and of evil. Uh, and uh, in a company, uh, absolutely, it's good to make a profit. They're, they're also, I mean, you know, that's a, an entirely separate conversation. But every purpose comes back to the glory of God. And so in forming a company, the primary issue is not how much money can I make or this or that tied up with money. The primary issue is, Lord, if that's what you're calling me to do, how does this company actually create an environment where from the people we serve to the employees we have to whatever happens with the money that is made, uh, that that really is being uh, done in such a way that Jesus is going to be glorified. When you, you know, you grew up in an incredible environment where you saw business as mission. I mean, your dad went on the mission field as a doctor and used that platform to share his faith, correct? Correct. You know, and a lot of people use that today. They, they use the platform of a business to go into foreign countries where it's illegal to be a missionary, and they start a business to gain the opportunity to have influence over people. Yet a lot of times we find here in the States, and we got people listening all over the world eventually to the podcast, but we find here in the States that people will start business because they want to make money, but because they don't understand 
that our workplace is our mission field, that as business owners or leaders, we are the ministry leaders. In fact, many of us are pastors in our organizations that when we're starting that business, we need to have the mindset from the beginning that our business is mission. Is that what you did when you started off Sidera and when you started off the Karis Group? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's such a good question. I wish I could tell you that uh, uh, I, I was even half as spiritual as maybe I try to sound. Um, <laughs> well, thank you for being no. honest. Thank you for being honest. That's good. <laughs> um, uh, when I started Sidera, and you know those who perhaps have uh, followed your program for some time and heard me, uh, you know, t- talk about some of these things. When I started Keras back in 1996, um, I-, I started it because my wife and I had been praying for years, uh, having come over here from England uh, at that stage nine years previously. Uh, Lord, we're we're desperate. We we don't understand why you brought us here. It isn't making sense. What we thought we had come here to do isn't working. Uh, I have I'd never got my licensing medically over here because we hadn't understood God wanted us here doing medicine, and I don't think he did. Uh, but it meant that we were financially strapped, uh, and nobody wanted to hire me because, or, or my wife, because we're, you know, both, as it were, highly overqualified doctors. Uh, and so, you know, any other work that we looked for, uh, people really wouldn't look at us because they, they viewed that we'd just disappear uh, when we found something better. Uh, so why did I start the Keras Group? I started the Keras Group literally by accident, an accident to me, injured my knee, shocked by the medical bills, challenged all the medical bills, found out how easy it was to get those bills reduced, uh, and decided I needed to help the Christian community that I was an active part of through one of the healthcare sharing ministries uh, to, to be uh, more aware of how they could reduce medical costs. Uh, so I, I started it. Uh, almost out of desperation and, and literally uh, out, out of God bringing ideas out of an accident. Uh, it took a while for me to work into uh, realizing that if God had allowed this, then he had much higher purposes. So you were just like any one of those other people we were talking about. You started a business by accident. So the intentionality to build that culture, a missional type culture, a, a culture that was on a mission from God that, that was really a positive culture as opposed to a toxic culture, that intentionality did not exist when you started the Karis Group. Uh, it, it didn't exist because I thought the, 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 the business was just me. I, I thought, you know, what, what I wanted to do, I would just happily do it myself type thing. Uh, I viewed it as a way uh, of, uh, I guess, tent making, to use the Apostle sure. Paul's word. Yep. Here's something I can do. It'll make some money, and it gives me freedom to do other stuff. Uh, it took a while, uh, I'd say quite a while, uh, to really realize that it went beyond me being effective in touching, you know, any clients or, uh, you know, their, their members, the patients that we were helping, uh, to, to me seeing that God was building something and that I needed to be intentional about what that looked like. So, well, that's what I was going to, I was going to ask, so let's get specific. How many years were you in business with the Karis Group before you realized, wow, I need to step back a little bit and look at the culture I've created so that it can be more intentional in incorporating my faith. 
Okay, that that's that's a great question. I've never sort of reflected on it in that way. I mean, when I started, it was literally just me. Sure. Tiny, tiny little room beside my kitchen. I can still picture myself in there, you know, working with my little laptop computer and making phone calls, etc. Uh, and uh, for the first year, that's really what it was. And and the work was getting too busy. And so uh, then I brought in a friend. Well, he was a believer, and uh, you know, we worked together. And you know, this was still. Uh, still pretty simple. Uh, and then I was beginning to get, you know, pretty busy in ministry stuff. And uh, so I began hiring other people. Uh, and I think by the time it was two or three or four people, I was realizing, hmm, you know, there's more to this business than meets the eye. And if I don't think about it, and if I don't give any time to it, it may do what it's supposed to do at a financial level, but it's going to completely miss out on what God uh, is giving me an opportunity to create. Uh, and so from pretty early on, about the third or fourth year, uh, I began very actively uh, creating prayer times with employees, Bible study times, uh, wh whether or not everybody was a Christian. They, they didn't have to take part if they weren't, but uh, openly talking about how do we, uh, you know, take opportunities to help the patients we're helping to, uh, you know, really uh, be able to pray with someone if they need that and that type of thing. So it, it began to grow slowly. Uh, but along with the growth in the number of employees, there was definitely a deliberate intention uh, that we shaped it in a way that would give God the glory. So how many years were you operating the Keras Group before you started Sidera? Okay, well, uh, Keras ran from 1996 until 2010. I mean, of course, it still runs now. Uh, but uh, that was, what, 14, 15 years right. uh, before I started Sidera. Uh, so Sidera was birthed in a very different context where it was birthed out of something much larger, much stronger, with a strong culture. Uh, and so I was absolutely able to think uh, deliberately and intentionally about how do you create something new. Well, and that's what I was going to ask. Okay. So you got, you got, you know, try number two, did you do it different the second time? So the second time when you started Sidera and really you started Sidera because of the Affordable Care Act. I mean, you saw a, a need that was not going to be met by the Affordable Care Act, which is known as Obamacare. It, it, that's why you started Sidera, wasn't it? Uh, that that's completely correct. I, I had by then had you know this 15 years of experience of working with the Christian healthcare sharing ministries, also working with insurance companies. Had become very persuaded that the healthcare sharing model uh, was way better in all sorts of ways, uh, and wanted to create something that would take that model into the mainstream, uh, to where it could really touch companies. Uh, and so, in beginning to think through that and uh, address the issues, both of how we would do it, uh, as well as why we were doing it, uh, I, I found myself asking the Lord, well, Lord, what is the foundation? And the Lord gave me three C's. Uh, I was driving down to a Christian businessman's gathering uh, down in the Texas Hill Country, and I was saying, Lord, how do I communicate this vision that you put on my heart for what Sidera uh, should be? What, what does it look like? Uh, and the Lord reminded me of uh, camps that I used to go to as a young person that were called Triple C Camps. Uh, actually, my, my parents had started these for missionary kids and other sort of expatriate kids who lived out in Taiwan. And uh, I thought, well, Triple C, what are you saying to me, Lord? And uh, he said, well, here are three C's for what Sidera needs to be. 
Uh, and the first was it needs to be Christ-centered. I found myself thinking of that verse. I think it's Colossians 1.18, that in all things he might be preeminent. And I thought, absolutely. We, we need to just declare from the start that everything we do is Christ-centered. Uh, the second, uh, of course, we're talking here in a, a healthcare sharing context of uh, bringing this methodology to businesses for handling their uh, their medical bills. And so the second C was it's going to be community focused. Uh, and again, that's that's a biblical concept. Uh, you know, in Acts four, it says that there was no need uh, among that early uh, community of believers because whenever any had needs, they shared. And I found myself thinking, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking the sharing economy. We're taking the principles of Uber or, uh, or of Lyft or of Airbnb or something. But we're showing that it's biblical, that when, when people stand together in community and share what they have, including in something as complex as the healthcare world, uh, that into that, uh, the sharing will take care of the needs. Uh, and the third C uh, was that we were going to be consumer-driven, uh, because I, as a, as a physician who has dealt with patients uh, over, of course, many, many years, uh, am just a strong believer in the uh, importance, uh, in the integrity, really, of the doctor-patient relationship. Uh, and in, in a real doctor-patient relationship, uh, which includes the financial aspect, it includes recognizing that one's buying a service and that one's giving and providing a service in exchange for, for a fee, you know, into that context, you're bringing in personal responsibilities. Uh, and I knew in the medical context, in the health insurance context, that if patients didn't uh, begin to take on responsibility, uh, and if doctors didn't, uh, again, do, uh, start treating people as patients, uh, sorry, patients as people, uh, and caring about them and giving them the time and uh, really dealing with the whole person, that this had to be consumer-focused and consumer-driven. Uh, and so those are our three Cs, Christ-centered, community-focused, consumer-driven. Okay, so you were very intentional in setting up the culture of Sidera. You, you, and, and you described earlier how with Karis it kind of just grew and then you realized, wow, I had to do something about it. Now you are many years later. And you get to look back on the work that the Lord did in your life to get this set up, to get Sedera set up, these three C's, Christ-centered, community-focused, and consumer-driven. And you look at the work of Karis after after over 20 years. How do you see, you know, and, and does everybody, is everybody that you hire, are they all Christ followers? Uh, no, okay. uh, absolutely not. Okay, so you've got non-Christ followers. They're experiencing your culture. How are they responding to your culture? How do you see the culture that you set up in these two companies? How are they impacting the people within? Well, one of the things that Felicity and I have prayed for, uh, and I mean regularly, repeatedly, and, and uh, you know, again, instituting practical steps like, you know, uh, walking around the offices, praying in every office, praying over every desk, you know, taking seriously that every place on which the, the sole of your feet will tread, which I think is what the Lord said to Joshua, I'm going to give you that land. Uh, we, we, we built that sort of prayer foundation uh, into everything we've done. Uh, meaning that what we've really been asking the Lord for uh, is a place, a context. By, by a place, I don't mean the office building. I mean everything the company represents would be a context in which it would be easy for people to find Jesus. 
uh, I find myself thinking, you know, uh, as we're talking here of uh, one young lady who uh, came into my office. She had only been uh, an employee here maybe maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks. I'm not sure, something like that. And she came in and she sat down uh, and she said, I'm so glad you have an open door policy. I, I just felt I had to come in and say something. She said, I've, I've never worked in a place like this. She said, there's something here. Please help me understand what it is. I, I wow. know what it is. Uh, and so I just began sharing Jesus with her. And I mean, I'm talking within minutes, she's in tears and uh, she's talking about her own sort of background, a sort of a nominal uh, Catholic, I think, or, you know, maybe some other mainline denomination. I, I don't remember for sure, and, uh, but never any awareness of personal faith and uh, immediately just uh, recognizing that what she was I guess experiencing was the presence of God, the holiness of God. You know, she was so ready to pray, to confess her sin, to give her life over to Jesus. Uh, and, you know, what an incredible privilege to, you know, right there, you know, with her sitting there, right there beside me in my office, uh, to watch her give her life to Jesus. Uh, and, and that would exemplify. I, I wish I could say that was always the case. But, you know, she had experienced something of the presence of God that was so strong and so different uh, in that first couple of weeks of working here that that's what led her to Christ. What an incredible privilege that was. I mean, just and, and really all of us would hope for that. But that's you have to live with intentionality in creating that culture in order to create an environment where you get those opportunities. And, and I love the fact that you're praying over people's cubicles and desks and in the, in the areas that they walk. I, I've heard that many times. Where do you as a business owner and leader, where do you go to get encouragement to continue this intentionality in your companies? Well, I, I, I go to all sorts of places. I mean, definitely it, it, it starts at home. Uh, Felicity and I regularly, I don't know about daily, but regularly, consistently take time praying together, uh, you know, being doctors together, being medical students together. I mean, we've been together uh, in everything we've done really since we were 18 years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the strength of, of the family environment and, uh, you know, bringing the presence of God into the way we brought up our kids or lived out our lives or opened our homes to other uh, to others, you know, that, that, that I think would be where it would start. Uh, but for the business owner, there, there's so much other opportunity. I, I heard, uh, you know, there on uh, on the ads at the, the beginning of this segment that, you know, it was being sponsored by uh, the C12 rep there in Tampa. And I right. say, thank God for C12. Uh, I myself am an active member of C12, love everything it represents. And, you know, there, there's a group of, of, of Christian CEOs all over the country meeting in, in their gatherings, whether it's C12 or Convene or Truth at Work or groups like. Uh, FCCI and the, uh, you know there are so many places where Christian business leaders can go and be with other Christian leaders and uh, and be challenged uh, not not just to uh, sort of sit back uh, but be challenged that their lives and their businesses are counting for God and part of the intentionality uh, is taking advantage of those opportunities. Tell me in this process. 
you know, as you've learned to look at your business as a mission and as you've, you know, you learned from your father and then you made some, you know, you, you've, I'm sure you've made some mistakes along the way. I, I can't possibly have gone perfect the whole time. Lots and lots. <laughs> have you ever had a time where you just made an obvious mistake and you needed to apologize to the people that you, that work for you? I mean, have you ever had that position where you had to do that? Uh, well, well, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, let me give you a specific example that goes right back to the early days of the Keras Group. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the work we were doing was we were uh, negotiating people's medical bills and we got paid a percentage of what we negotiated. Uh, so, you know, it's a win-win for everybody as long as we were successful. But if we did our work and we, we, we you know, didn't get any saving, there was no payment to us. Uh, well, we were very small. There might have only been two or three of us in the company. I was still actively involved in the negotiations and stuff in those days. Uh, and there was a situation where um, we negotiated a significant discount. It would have uh, brought us a, a, a lot of money. Uh, but as we uh, looked at this and uh, we're, we're talking and, you know, we were just because it was so small, you know, everybody in the company was sort of involved in what went on. And I was saying, oh, well, you know, we, we can bill right here for this. And uh, one of the other guys, a lovely guy, Travis, he was my first ever employee. Um, Travis said, oh, but Tony, I, I don't think we can really bill for that part of it because really that part uh, was uh, what was not our work. That was something the patient did. And I thought about it and I thought, wow, I would have just happily billed for it and hadn't even thought about it. But Travis, thankfully, had a, a clearer sense of where true north was, uh, you know, the voice of, of the Holy Spirit in him. And I, I probably would have felt he was a baby Christian and that I was a mature Christian. But let me tell you, he had it right. Uh, and, you know, it was the first time we faced that the, that particular issue. We faced it many times since then. Uh, but when you put it right the first time round, it makes it very easy subsequently, even when you're dealing with things that might cost you tens of thousands of dollars. So, yes, absolutely. One has to learn from your mistakes and say sorry. Mm, that's a great, great story. Have you ever utilized a chaplain on any of your business campuses? Uh, we do. Uh, and uh, even to this day, we, we utilize chaplains. I mean, uh, groups like C12 actively, uh, you know, uh, let you be aware of group like uh, uh, corporate chaplains or uh, marketplace chaplains. Uh, th these are wonderful companies. We've actually locally uh, here in Austin, we, we uh, use a couple who are part of uh, an entity known as the Center for Relational Leadership, uh, who do a lot with uh, businesses across Texas and into other parts of the country. Uh, and I happened to, to know the, the husband well. He and I uh, enjoyed playing squash together, and I knew he was a great, great person. And so we brought he and his wife in as uh, chaplains to, to work with our staff. Uh, so we're not big enough that we need full-time chaplains, but uh, they're here on a consistent, regular basis for all of the staff. And uh, we view their work very highly. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that intentionality of building in a, a chaplain into an environment like that because it, it not everybody can talk to you. And, of course, you're a, a man. If there's a woman that's got some serious marital issues, she shouldn't be talking to you in the first place. So having that availability of a male and a female chaplain is really, really powerful. Tony Dale with Sidera Health. What kind of company is the perfect company to do business with Sidera Health? 
well, uh, any company that is looking that it can save on its health care costs. Uh, if you like, our target market would really be companies between five and 500. Uh, but in some exceptional circumstances, we've worked with companies smaller than that. And uh, we do also, in a few instances, work with companies bigger than that. So you can help companies save money in their health insurance. They don't have to be run by a Christ follower at the top. Uh, they do not. Uh, it's typically Christ followers who are uh, interested to explore our methodology, but then they start talking to their friends, and we work with anybody. So, it, and really, when you look at, I, I've studied your stuff many times over the last year since we first got introduced. I mean, a lot of times people could save some pretty significant dollars by by getting a, a healthcare sharing plan as opposed to typical healthcare. Typically, there's some decent money to be saved. Uh, we're, we're talking in the sort of 40 to 55 percent uh, that can be saved. So, yeah, that's massive. Health, health costs are typically the number two line item after uh, staff salaries for most companies. Uh, and so, yes, this will make a big difference to companies. So if you're working at a company and they're all complaining about the amount of money they're spending on health care for you as an employee, make sure you tell them Sidera Health. Check them out online at sidera.com, S-E-D-E-R-A. Com, and make sure you tell them when you call Sidera that you heard about it here on I Work For Him. But companies across the nation should be taking advantage of this. Okay, Tony, before we get before we are done with the show and we're running out of time, you get a lot of people listening today that aren't the CEO, they're not the president, they're not the owner, they're in middle management, they're in lower management, they're not in management. Tell, let's encourage these people how they can impact the culture of the place that they work. Well, Jim, you alluded to the story of Joseph earlier in our conversation today here on the radio, and uh, Joseph is a perfect example, whether he was a servant in Potiphar's house, so at the bottom of the totem pole, his life and example was such that Potiphar had him looking after everything in his household. Uh, but then, of course, comes the episode with Potiphar's wife, and he ends up in jail, uh, maligned, mistreated, wrongly accused, uh, nothing in jail. But again, the, the jailer uh, very quickly promotes him because he is such an example of a Christ follower. Uh, and that's really the question to me that you're asking. Every one of us, whatever our position, we can have an influence that goes way before. Uh, way beyond our status, uh, because it isn't our status that gives us our authority. I mean, this is actually such a key Christian principle. It isn't position. Okay, it's presence, presence of God. Uh, and that's equally true. You know, a pastor, to be honest, at least from my perspective, does not have his authority because of his position, uh, but only uh, because of walking in the presence of God, which hopefully he does. And so that's true for every employee. Walk in the presence of God and you will shape the situation around you. Well, and, and that's some strong words for people, that, that, that it's not their position, but their presence. And that's really why we we encourage people to join the I Work For Him Nation and make that commitment to recognize that because of their intimate relationship with their Heavenly Father, they've got the power to make an impact. And when they start to pray for people by name each and every day, and then look for ways to serve them and then befriend them outside the workplace, look for those times to pray with people when you notice they're having a bad day, but all along demonstrating excellence. Those are the people that are going to get that opportunity to make an impact on the culture of their company. Amen. But sometimes, though, Tony, 
the culture is just toxic. How do you, what do you, what kind of advice do you give people when they're just, when they are sucked in the middle of a company or a church or another organization where it's just toxic? What do you tell people to do? Well, you know, it, it wouldn't just be in that context, but really in every context. I'm, I'm very hesitant to advise people. Uh, but what I will do is say that I think the basic Christian involvement in every situation we find ourselves in is to listen to Jesus and do what he says. I mean, Jesus himself said, I only do what I see my father doing. And so whether you stay or whether you leave, how you're going to impact, uh, whether God wants you to put up with it in spite of all the problems, you know, I can't tell you the answer to that. But what I can tell you is if you listen to Jesus and do what he says, God will be able to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish. That was a great answer. I love that. That's a lot better than the opinionated answer I would have given. That's fantastic. <laughs> Tony Dale, thanks for being on I Work for Him today. Thanks for the example you're setting. We look forward to these conversations every month, and we're so thankful for you and your support. Thanks for being on I Work for Him today, Tony. You're welcome. Check out Tony Dale online at Sidera.com. If your company needs a solution for healthcare, Sidera.com, Sidera.com. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.